Hello and welcome to Functionally Fit Podcast. I'm Jen Rice and I am doing this episode today on a topic that I think is super important and something I, if I'm being really honest and transparent, I never paid any attention to as a practicing PA in dermatology for the past almost you know, 17 years. So now that I have better knowledge of more of a holistic approach to all sorts of chronic conditions, I began to apply some of what I'm talking today about to my own clinical practice, as well as uh, providing hopefully a great information piece for you to take forward, whether you're a fellow healthcare provider that sees skin conditions or you're someone that uh, suffers from a skin condition or just someone that's really wanting to learn more about these kind of things, like how the gut is related to so much of our overall health. And today we're going to dive into the five uh, most common skin conditions that are related to our gut health. But as we know, our, our gut can play a major role in all sorts of functions of our immune system and other chronic conditions. So paying attention to our gut, you know, we can never go wrong, that's for sure. And that's why I created a membership pro, uh, program, which is called Love Your Gut Club. It is a membership that it takes place on a, you know, secure platform. So it's not on necessarily a social media, you know, group page, but it is a opportunity for people who want to learn more about gut health in particular that need support, guidance, accountability. We have a monthly masterclass, open Q&A. You can actually direct message me through the platform at any time which I love because then it's up to the minute information and feedback that I'm getting from members and then helping them in the, in the time that they need help with whatever hurdle or obstacle has come up as they try to change certain habits or maybe it's certain foods or different types of things to really better their health. And this month, I'm super excited to do the masterclass on functional medicine lab testing and really interpreting your own personal lab testing better that you get from your primary care doctor because a normal range of our blood work isn't actually optimized. Normal ranges come from you have this bell curve or a spectrum of people that are well and some that are very unwell. And when your lab work falls into quote unquote a normal range, it doesn't really mean that your health is optimized. So in this masterclass, we're really going to break that down and kind of go through different inflammatory markers too, that you can ask your primary care doctor, PA, nurse practitioner to draw for you. Things that I think you could track over time, which would be super helpful for your own knowledge for any uh, practitioner's knowledge that is trying to help you to optimize health. Uh, As a physician assistant, I work in dermatology, but I do coaching for wellness. And in my coaching group, I talk more about how you can work with your current providers 
to really maximize your health. Um, you know, we're not giving diagnosis or prescriptions in there, but we're certainly giving information and, um, hopefully a great deal of value. So if you're interested in looking at that, you can definitely in the show notes, you can visit the love your gut club. You can also go to jenrice.podia.com. And on there, there's a lot of information on the membership and, I am offering a free month of membership for the holidays. So if you want to check that out or reach out to me about that, I'm happy to share that with you. So without further ado, let's dive into gut health in the skin and the five conditions that are related to your gut. As far back as the 1930s, we suspected, uh, researchers back then were suspecting a link between the gut health and our skin. And they weren't sure if they were right, but now today we know they're right. So if you've been experiencing inflammation in your gut, you may be seeing signs on your skin or even like we mentioned earlier throughout your body. But by correcting the gut inflammation, you can also really make a dent in skin inflammation conditions such as acne, rosacea, psoriasis, and more. So how does gut inflammation lead to skin problems? Well, there's something called the gut-skin axis. So basically it's a bi-directional pathway. So the gut is talking to the skin, the skin is talking to the gut, and this is where our gut microbiomes, the, the gut microbiome is sending messages. So all the little microbes in there are sending signals to our skin that influence things like how to make the structure of the skin. Is there inflammation or is there not? The production of oils or, you know, waxy substances that are found on the skin. And if anything is disrupting our gut, your skin can feel the effects. Now on a, a personal note, I experienced a lot of rashes when my gut was probably at its worst, meaning, you know, I was definitely even suffering lots of irritable bowel syndrome and heartburn, relentless heartburn, the kind that, you know, wakes you up at night and you have to sit on the couch and take everything in the kitchen cabinet and hope for the best. But I mean, I can laugh now because I've been heartburn free for four years, but it was really disruptive and I was having skin problems. I did not connect that my hives or itching of the skin, redness of the skin, flushing, I didn't connect that this could be connected to my gut. If our gut health relies on the, the, the organisms in the gut, and the integrity of our intestinal barrier. So this is like the wall that lines our intestine. And if something becomes disrupted, like uh, maybe it's antibiotics or constant stress or um, you know, chronic eating poorly, right? Tons of processed food, lots of alcohol. All of these things contribute. Medications, alcohol, uh, poor diet, you know, stress all sorts of medications, but basically all these things can lead up to factors that lead to gut inflammation. And when that happens, it disrupts the integrity of the intestinal barrier. In 
allopathic or conventional medicine, we call that increased intestinal permeability. You may hear people in functional medicine call it leaky gut. I think just calling it increased intestinal permeability is fine because that's really something we recognize as a physiological thing that happens. And most of the time, what a lot of clinicians have found is that people with skin conditions frequently have underlying gut problems that have just not been addressed. So there have been many, many years I've practiced medicine and say you were coming in for eczema, you know, dry skin, maybe you have it at the elbow creases or on your neck, or maybe it's on your eyelids. And we're going to give you a gentle cleanser, a prescription steroid, and a gentle moisturizer to use. And that process uh, and that prescriptive treatment plan is, there's nothing wrong with that treatment plan. It definitely works and it's, and it's correct and it's standard of care, but it doesn't address the root cause of the eczema and the underlying reason why the eczema is flaring or why it's harder to get under control. So part of our functional medicine approach to care is that we're looking at the gut issues. And now in a, in a visit time that um, most of us may have these days, you're not going to be able to necessarily dive super deep in with patients on exactly what they're eating and what their last, you know, 50 years have been like, or however long, um, you know, they've been living, it's not going to be that 90 minute in intake, like that happens with a functional medicine doctor. So if you haven't been to a functional medicine visit before with, uh, usually, uh, this is with a MD PA or a nurse practitioner that has a practice. Most of these uh, clinicians are former, maybe they were ER certified or internal medicine or pediatrics or, um, you know, geriatricians. And uh, the doctor that I went and saw was a geriatrician. So she specialized in older adults, but she also did some work in hospice. And of course she was primary care trained. Eventually she was an MD, is an MD and just found that as she was taking older patients in hospice off of medications because they were reaching, you know, end of life and a part of the end of life care is to minimize the amount of prescriptions. And what she noticed and was that people would become more clearly they were thinking more clearly they were there they were there were more lucid moments and it really got her thinking because she told me this story in our in our visit that she wanted to help more people not rely on pharmaceutical medications and that didn't really exist well in in a current um practice model so she became uh, certified in functional medicine and opened her own practice where she could help people get to root causes of their illness, remove medications and improve and, and get them to more optimal health. And I love her story because you could definitely see the heart that she had for the people she cared for and 
a little bit of this, um, you know, kind of like a tug of war inside of not being able to do the work you really feel called to do when it's constant prescription writing. And there's nothing wrong with prescriptions. I, I'm not saying we all have to stop our prescriptions, but if we can get the most out of the, the limited amount of those, I think that's better for, for all of us. So back to the skin and in a dermatology visit, it's going to be difficult to you know, go deeply into that. So this is where I think an episode like this one will hopefully help you or if you have a family member or if this, this seems to be something that you would come across, you can think, oh yes, like this, there could be something going on with my gut. And if I work on my gut, then my skin problem will, will improve as well. So acne, well, let's, this is one that's actually being studied. And even the American Academy of Dermatology has come out with, um, more information about the connection of what we eat and how our skin is. For many years, we practiced under the, under the thought that it didn't really matter what patients ate, but of course it matters what they eat. Now, looking back, I find that I, I'm not sure why I believe that and, and didn't ever bring up a, a diet or limiting certain things or eating less sugars, but we know for sure that sugar is a big one for acne. And then we also know that sometimes dairy or gluten can take to, can take an active role in, in creating more inflammation. So acne occurs when the skin produces too much sebum, which clogs the pores and the hair follicles. And it's generally categorized as non-inflammatory, um, shows up like blackheads, which we are comedones, or it can be inflammatory, which is more like pustules, cysts, papules, nodules, those deep kind of painful, hard nodules that, that people will get. And conventional treatments that we offer are topical medicines, and some are very good, and they focus on reducing that oil production and creating more of a you know, balance on the skin and to prevent any skin, inf you know, infections. But it doesn't, again, address any underlying cause that um, it could be this, in this in increased intestinal permeability or gut dysbiosis. So when we talk about gut dysbiosis or increased intestinal permeability. It's where the intestinal barrier is malfunctioning. It's essentially allowing undesirable and incompatible substances to go into the bloodstream. And this causes our immune system to launch an inflammatory response, which leads to this local and systemic inflammation, which in turn can contribute to skin disease. And we... If we were to do more research on people with acne, we'd probably find that correcting the gut would make a big difference in how quickly uh, they can push through these flares and uh, maybe even limit new ones from coming. Second condition, dermatitis herpetiformis. This is a, this is a big one connected to the guts. We know that uh, 
Dermatitis hepiformis is also, um, it's a condition characterizes itchy bumps and blisters more frequently along the hairline, on the forearms, or near the, bu- near the elbows, knees, and the bottom. Celiac disease is the most common cause of dermatitis herpetiformis. In fact, it is, it's, it's considered um, a specific cutaneous manifestation of celiac disease. And with celiac disease, this celiac has to do with gluten. So if you're not familiar with celiac disease at all, which I wasn't previously, um, having a lifelong gluten-free diet is a way to control the symptoms. Celiac disease is characterized um, by a immune response. It's specific to proteins and enzymes that are found in gluten. And if you have, if you are an untreated celiac sufferer, the tissue damage can, can happen in the small intestine and it can be, it can be really disruptive and, and hard for people to know that they even really have this. There is a blood test that you can, you can be tested for. But they also say that people with celiac disease can have an increased risk of um, other autoimmune type uh, skin-related conditions like alopecia and vitiligo. So when you're adopting a gluten-free diet, there's there's some um, there's definitely some issues with. Um, you know, will you be able to get all the nutrients you need or a, a niacin deficiency? But I think that um, if you talk with the doctor, so say you um, say, oh, I'm listening to this and I have noticed that there are these itchy bumps and blisters along the hairline and the forearms or the elbows or the knees or the buttocks, you can have a... Um, can have a biopsy done for this. You can also see your primary care doctor and have the celiac testing done. And what I've heard a lot of people who are celiac tell me is that um, it took years for them to figure out that that was the case, maybe even into adolescence or, you know, your early 20s. So if you are having persistent rashes and you've never had your rash biopsied, make sure that, um, or you haven't seen a dermatologist, it's a good idea to go ahead and see a dermatologist about any rash in case they, you know, they feel that it should be something that should be further investigated and maybe isn't as simple as, you know, quote unquote eczema, which is our third one we're getting to here. Eczema. Eczema is an autoimmune condition. It's itchy, red skin. It, eczema damages the skin barrier. And so, The skin is often dry and we call it, eczema is the itch that scratches and the scratch that itches. So the more you itch it, the more it itches and it's this vicious cycle. And a lot of our treatments are geared at turning off that itch scratch cycle. But the gut is closely linked to our immune system. And the metabolites of beneficial gut bacteria, such as short-chain fatty acids, they contribute to a healthy and robust immune system, whereas the, the 
gut dysbiosis or dysfunction of our gut can impair our immune system. And our gut also regulates our T-cells. And a lot of the medications that I have written over the years are topicals that are T-cell blockers. One in particular uh, I could think of is uh, Eladil or Protopic. They are not a full steroid topical, but they um, do things with the T-cell regulation. And when we work on our gut, you can work on this, um, the microbiome, the parts that work on T-cell and immunity will be strengthened as the gut heals. And there was one study that they, it, was evol- it was involving people with a type of eczema called seborrheic dermatitis, which we see a lot of here in Southwest Florida. And they, sh- they showed that, it, that really when you have these sort of um, facial dryness um, in the ears, that it is a sign that there's something going on with your gut. So even having the skin condition in the first place may lead you to investigate a little bit more of how healthy your gut really is. And you can take questionnaires on how healthy your gut is. I have one on my website. You can definitely begin digging into different research on the topic of let's say, eczema and microbiome. I think that's really um, helpful if you're looking to not just sort of say, okay, this is here forever. There's nothing I can do about it. There are a few books out there and more and more people are writing books about eczema and different food eating patterns that can be helpful to their eczema one book in particular is called the the eczema diet but then dr paul saladino uh, was able to eliminate his eczema with a carnivore diet so i'm not saying that that's the thing to do i'm definitely more of a proponent of plant-based eating but it's something to look into based on what's going on with you and and to work with someone to to try to hash this out Four is psoriasis, and psoriasis, like eczema, is an autoimmune condition, and it manifests itself on the skin. But with psoriasis, people can experience uh, joint stiffness, swelling, and pain. There's something called psoriatic arthritis, and that can be very debilitating for people. And as we said before, the gut and the immune system are so closely linked that there's no reason to not work on the gut if you suffer from something like psoriasis because you may be able to improve your your psoriatic symptoms by working on your gut health and we know that other non-intestinal autoimmune disorders run alongside psoriasis like lupus ms graves disease People with psoriasis, they, they seem to have a dysregulated gut microbiome and these elevated levels of pro-inflammatory cytokines, which potentially cause bacteria to be moving from our gut area to the bloodstream. And this, again, is this increased intestinal permeability. 
we want to try to get a better handle on this and work on the gut so that we can decrease this inflammation. And they even think there may be a link between inflammatory bowel disease and or Crohn's disease and psoriasis. So you see how these things are all kind of traveling together and when you have one autoimmune, it's not that far of a stretch to add others on. This is where really doubling down on, on gut health and the food that you eat and how you're eating and when you're eating um, can be super, super important. And the last one is rosacea. So rosacea is a chronic skin condition that is, is really inflammatory. So it's persistent facial redness, generally in the central part of, of the face. Swollen red bumps can be there too. It can look like acne. There can also be an enlarged nose, rhinophyma, and eye problems like ocular rosacea. And we don't know what the cause of rosacea is. There can be genetic factors, environmental factors. There are food triggers. Some patients will describe, you know, when I drink alcohol, this seems worse, or I eat this hot food or certain medications. Definitely sunlight, lots of sun can flare it or heat. And we do write a lot of topical medications that can be helpful. They do work well for eliminating things like the little acne bumps. But there seems to be a connection between rosacea and small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, so SIBO. Small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is a condition where there's an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine, just like the name states, but it negatively affects the function and structure of the small intestine. And it can damage the cell lining of that small bowel, which can interfere with food digestion, nutrient absorption, and again, increased intestinal permeability. A 2008 study found that small intestinal bacterial overgrowth was more prevalent in people with rosacea than in, you know, a, the healthy control group. There's also thought that perhaps say the H. pylori may be um, connected. And the best way that we can improve rosacea would be to see if you can reduce the symptoms by focusing on specific diet changes and making sure you're getting certain nutrients. And I'll probably, I'll, I'll come on and talk a little bit about supplementation in another podcast, but really making sure you're having a multivitamin daily probiotics can be helpful for, for some patients that have acne and rosacea and then making lifestyle modifications based on um, if there are certain things that seem to be more of a trigger to you, then having less of that is probably you know a good idea within within reason. You can also work with a primary care provider or um, a functional medicine practitioner to kind of hone in more on this gut 
skin balance and 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 get improving your skin faster so hopefully this um this episode has been helpful these five skin conditions i know them well um we see them all the time and they are um you know there's no slam dunk answer for everyone but it does seem like with any sort of chronic condition or smoldering skin condition that you can try to adopt a healthy gut lifestyle, um, which is where you're making sure you're eating nutrient-dense, largely plant-based, sort of an ancestral or Mediterranean diet, Get making sure you're getting enough fiber, making sure that you're getting a lot of good antioxidants, potentially eliminating gluten, dairy, these kind of more inflammatory things, lowering your sugar, except for sugars found in more natural products. And and of course, lifestyle factors of sleep, managing your stress, getting exercise, avoiding toxins environmentally, and um, all of that plays into it. And we talk a lot about that um, more in detail inside Love Your Gut Club. And again, if you're interested in... um, learning more about that, you can check the links in the bio here. And I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We'll be back with more um, more in-depth functional medicine leaning podcasts and with some great interviews too. I hope you guys have a great, great week.